Blog Talk Radio. Hello? Hi, Daniel. If that's you, I can't hear you. How about that? Are you able to hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, great. Wonderful. Thank you, Ray. Uh, thank you for uh, being a part of the show. And, uh, you know, I, I this has been really even a tumultuous time if you're a supporter of Orange County SC. You, you know, you won the USL Championship League last year, and you would think that's enough clout to have this great working partnership with the town of Irvine, yet several days ago, almost a week ago, there was a threat that not only yourself, but California United Strikers are about to get convicted for next season because of what the LA Galaxy tried to do. Yeah, it, w- it was super frustrating for you know all the fans, the the club itself, the front office. A very um, sort of out of left field uh, proposal, I guess, that was on the city agenda. Don't have the details as far as how far the talks got between the Galaxy and the city of Irvine. Um, that's sort of still uh, in secret. We're, we're trying to figure out that information. But, uh, you know, I know the club was in the process of, of negotiating with the city to either continue the current existing uh, relationship or even uh, looking to enhance the relationship. And when this was brought to our attention uh, midday a couple Fridays ago, uh, we tried to share the information with the public via social media. And I will say I was – very blown away by the response from the soccer community in the United States and across the world uh, when that one tweet that we sent out from our podcast sort of releasing this news to the public got so much love, so much attention, and was shared by multiple uh, fans 
across the country, some known fans, some unknown fans, fans from enemy teams, even Galaxy supporters jumping on board and just showing support for uh, standing with Orange County and the whole ordeal. You know, I follow I follow uh, the whole situation on Twitter very closely, and boy, you know, reading some of the things that you know the plans were to evict Orange County, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, I mean, excuse me, I couldn't believe what I was reading. You know, this is such a strange coup attempt by the LA Galaxy. I mean, they have the track and field stadium next to Dignity Health Sports Park. I, I just don't understand why they would move their two teams, which of course will go to MLS Pro next season. Why would they try to move them out of Carson and go to Irvine to have that facility all to themselves? I just don't understand it. And I think that's where the fans were, were sitting when we saw that proposal. The fans were looking at it as, as you know, it, it, it looks like it's more of a, a, an attempt by a galaxy, and I'm not trying to accuse any other entities, but just maybe MLS in general of starting the, uh, the process of knocking out clubs where they could do so. Uh, the fact that the Irvine City Council was willing to consider this um, shows that there was some, you know, homework done probably by the LA Galaxy or at least some sort of initial co- uh, communications done. And when you look at the big picture, right, they, they don't draw many fans. Uh, and for, since COVID began, they haven't even really been opening up the uh, stadium to fans to come watch. It's really just been staff and a few maybe family members of the players. But even prior to COVID, they weren't drawing huge numbers. They had that track and field stadium that's right there, uh, at Dignity Health Park, they've been using the, the you know, main stadium uh, during the COVID time. And the, the thought is they're not, they're not really going to be able to, it's not going to increase their attendance by moving it to Orange County. A lot of Galaxy fans were even saying, I'm not driving to Irvine to watch Los Dos play matches. Uh, and the fact that they tagged on that exclusive um, option, or at least that's what the proposal was, it's hard to know what's going on because I know LA Galaxy backtracked after the, the, the backlash on social media and even the um, city council, the city manager made a statement that it was just initial discussions or just thoughts or ideas at city council meeting. But when you look at it all, if, if, if what was showing on the agenda and what the proposal was, uh, it's hard for fans not to look at, at, at it as an attempt to basically leave Orange County uh, without a home for the upcoming season, or at least try and um, hurt Orange County uh, in the area uh, and uh, try and maybe steal some fans or potentially find a way to knock Orange County out of the soccer landscape. For those of us that are not familiar with the championship soccer, champion soccer stadium and the, uh, the athletic complex surrounding it, Give us uh, an idea, you know, what is it over there? You know, why was it such a great uh, location for Orange County SC to be a part of? And why do you think Irvine was attempting to make this situation happen and to kick you, kick your club out as a tenant? So that complex, uh, it, it, anyone that's been there knows that the, uh, around the stadium there, it's built for soccer. I, I want to say there's like 12 or 12 to 15 uh, full-size fields there that are used by uh, rec clubs, club teams, um, 
and even as the practice facility for a, a team like Orange County. I know Cal United used it. I believe Golden State Force or LA Force have used those, those facilities that are around the stadium. Uh, the benefit of the stadium for the club is, is it was a nice new home for the team. Uh, those that have followed the Orange County back into their Blues days, they've played in stadiums at Cal State Fullerton, at UC Irvine. This was sort of their first location where they were off, off of a campus, which you know gives you some benefits. Uh, I, everyone knows when you, if you follow uh, San Diego Loyal, there's sort of restrictions on alcohol sales at some of the matches, uh, and unfortunately, you know American sporting. Um, lifestyle is you like to have a beer or two at a game, whether it's baseball, soccer, football, whatever it is. So when you have that opportunity at a stadium, a brand new stadium, a really nice stadium, you can talk to some of the traveling supporters that have come out. Um, They've really enjoyed the opportunities uh, and and the way the stadium is laid out. It's very intimate. I I like to always sell it to people that there's no bad seat in the house. Um, You buy the cheapest ticket and you're still only like, 12 or 15 rows back from the field so you can hear and see everything. Uh, the word from the city as to why this sort of discussion happened is I guess there is uh, some concerns from local Irvine residents that this is a public facility and thus they want more public use of the facility. So potentially a high school sports, club teams, or even other sports like football, lacrosse, or whatnot can use the facility. And because Orange County is playing in their and the, also allowing teams like Cal United and uh, LA Force, Golden State Force, to use the facility, it's limiting to the community use of the stadium to, I believe, roughly 80 days. So the, I know the big note on the LA Galaxy thing with the exclusivity is it would open up more public use days. And, and although we didn't quite share it, there was a third item on the agenda that was, let's just tear out the grass, put an artificial turf on there, It'll probably weed out these professional teams. They're not going to want to continue using the stadium, and thus it'll open it up to even more public use. Uh, so I think for the city, that's sort of the, the topic that they're bringing to the table is they want to find a way to provide more public use for the stadium. Uh, and their argument, at least from what we've heard from the city manager, is that the initial or the original concept of the stadium wasn't really to be for professional use or at least as much as it's been but more of a community youth uh, soccer stadium. Like you said, you know, you were very happy to see so many people come to the uh, town council meeting uh, in Irvine, California, but how proud were you really when you saw uh, that the little girl, Charlotte, who uh, was on the podium to talk about how she got into the sport because of Orange County SC that brought her into the fold? Dude, Charlotte, um, you know, she was amazing up there for a a 10-year-old to get on the microphone in front of pretty much a bunch of adults there, spotlight on her, uh, and to provide that that insight and and how much the the team and how much the stadium means to her. uh, It was was an amazing thing to hear, and I know a lot of people sort of look at her as this, this spotlight of, of what this whole thing means for the fans. Uh, I know uh, her parents were proud and, and the County Line Coalition were proud of her for getting up there uh, and speaking. Uh, it was awesome just to hear all the different uh, tones, the different uh, backgrounds, the different speeches. There was a lot of uh, local businesses coming in support, like ad- um, advertisers that, that work with Orange County, 
uh, that came up and, and spoke to the council, front office members, a bunch of the members of the uh, supporters group, and just random fans came up. Um, you know, we had representatives uh, speaking on behalf of Ranger, Rangers FC fans, uh, and even, you know, on the Zoom call, we even had one of the Phoenix Rising fans jump on uh, and give a speech or, or at least let the council know, you know, the, the, the view from outside of Southern California of what people are thinking, which was awesome to hear. Everyone that knows Orange County Soccer Club knows that Phoenix Rising is probably our biggest uh, rivals in the league. And to have the support of not just one person, but a bunch of people from that fan base uh, stepping in and saying, hey, we don't like Orange County Soccer Club, but in this instance, we've got their back. They, that's their stadium. Galaxy needs to step away. Um, so the fact that someone was willing to, I believe, by the time uh, she got on to the Zoom call and got to say her word, it was probably about a three-and-a-half, almost four-hour wait before she got her opportunity to speak. So it, it was awesome. You know, everyone, Charlotte and all those that, that sat, because the city council came in, did their whole start, and then said, okay, we're going to closed session for an hour. And it closed session ended up being almost two hours, and everyone just sat around waiting and waited and waited and finally got a chance to say something. So everyone um, – it was just amazing to see everyone just willing to take a whole evening to share their passions for Orange County Soccer Club and uh, the, how frustrated they were over the whole situation. Ray, I, I know you don't work for the club. I know you're not a member of the front office, but you're a diehard supporter, and you and your friends do the soccer cast to talk about Orange County Soccer Club and what for USL Championship League. But I have to ask you this question. To make sure this never happens again, do you think it's time for the club, if they are financially able to do so, build their own stadium? I, you know, the, the easy answer on that is yes. I mean, if it's financially feasible, I, I think any club, after seeing what happened with this situation, needs to really strongly consider or look at uh, what their long-term plans will be. And, and, of course, building your own stadium and owning that is, is perfect. Now, uh, I get it. It's a difficult situation, especially, you know, when you look at Orange County and Southern California in general, it, it's really expensive for land and then to build on that land and do all that, it's really difficult. So I know that that's a tough situation for any club, and Orange County Soccer Club is in, in that type of situation where it's, it's really difficult. Uh, I, I don't know any details, but I'm going to assume that the club is, is, regardless of what happens with this whole situation, they're looking at what potential other options are so that if this continues, because uh, within the fan base, at least, we're, we're looking at is the way we heard the city council meeting and it was sort of they still want to discuss the situation just they can at this moment because of a quote strongly worded legal letter uh unquote that came from i believe the side of orange county and usl uh towards la galaxy and mls so i i don't think this is over it, it's a it's a it's a win it's a it's a win in the the small battle but i think this this war is going to continue and i think this discussion is, is going to continue and there's going to need to be something, uh, some sort of alternate plan just in case this happens to, to go through in the near future or even in the far future. So I would assume that Orange County is working on something or at least has their contingency plans, but I wouldn't be able to tell you how that goes. But yeah, easy answer to your question is if they have the money, uh, it's time to build a, a stadium if they can. 
All right, Ray. Listen, thank you for your time. Sorry for the delay there, but uh, very happy to have you on. And uh, have a good night, and good luck with the rest of the season for Orange County SC, okay? Thank you for having me on, Daniel. Thank you. That's Ray Samora from the Orange and Black Soccer Cast uh, on the fan side of this issue. Now joining me from Orange County SC, the president of the club, Mr. Dan Rootstein, joining me tonight. And Dan, thank you for your time. I'm really, really grateful for you to spend some time here on my show to discuss the issues between the town of Irvine and the club. No, thank you, Daniel, for having me on. Although it's very unfair of you to invite me on, having one of our very articulate fans speak before me, because uh, Ray said some excellent things, and I hope I can do justice to the cause as well. Blame chat. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, you're welcome. And, you know, having Ray on the show has been pretty good, but, you know, um, as they say, I want to get it from the horse's mouth, obviously. When you learned and the club learned about this process happening, what were the first things that came to your mind about the possible uh, eviction of being out of Champions Soccer Stadium in Irvine? Yeah, look, I mean, it's been a, obviously an extraordinary few days. We've been playing in that stadium for five years. Our, our fans love it there. We've made memories there. We hoisted our first ever trophy there. And we've been talking to the council on and off over that period about what the sort of long-term future looks like for us. And in the past year in particular, we've tried to accelerate those conversations. There was an official process, a request for proposals, which we responded to with some plans about a longer-term relationship in the stadium and things that we could do there. And we didn't get to the table to talk it through with them. And then out of the blue, five days before a council meeting, we see an agenda, an item 1.1 on the docket is discussion about the stadium. And one of the options under discussion is our eviction from the stadium and the eviction of all of the other professional teams who play there for LA Galaxy's next pro team to play there instead, which was a shock and a surprise which worried us. It obviously worried our fans enormously. So we very quickly mobilized, got the message out, put out a club statement. You know, our club is under attack and uh, asked our fans to turn up at this council meeting and make sure that the council are fully aware how much this stadium means to those fans. And the response, as you will have seen on social media and in, in in the soccer world in America, has been... Nothing short of extraordinary. Our fans have been amazing, and the fans of other clubs, including ones who quite rightly historically dislike us, have been very supportive uh, of what's happening to us. Obviously, you have a uh, working agreement with Rangers Football Club and the Scottish Premier League, and as I understand it from Ray, some of them also issued uh, some of those supporters issued their disdain for this situation how happy were you to hear that supporters of a club that is a partner with orange county also came to your aid yeah i mean our, our relationship with rangers is you know it's been going for a few years now and not that i'm trying to compare the situation but obviously rangers have been through a hell of a situation of their own with the club going into administration and restarting at the bottom of scottish football and then working on the way back up again when we actually put our request for proposal 
response in, we had letters from a number of organizations supporting us, including from the famous Glasgow Rangers themselves. And then when all of this kicked off recently at their Champions League playoff game, in their second leg, their home game, which they needed to win by two goals, there was a banner in the stadium you know, proclaiming sort of support Orange County. Unfortunately, we've not been able to get a photo of that banner, but we are assured by our Scottish friends that it was there. And there was at least two Scottish accents on display at the council meeting. And yeah, it means an enormous amount. And I think, like I said, we've had support from, from Phoenix and San Diego fans and the official club admins. And we've had support from Columbus Crew and Detroit. And I think LAFC fans are rather enjoying watching this play out. But lots of Galaxy fans have expressed support as well for us. So we're grateful for support from soccer teams from all corners. Absolutely, and that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, don't get me wrong, you have supporters here on the East Coast too. Don't don't worry about that because there are a lot of people that were very upset to hear when this whole thing played out, especially on social media, including myself. I was very angry to hear about what was going on. Have you had talks with the LA Galaxy after they put out that, uh, that little uh, – letter saying that, that this is not true. Of course, they claim it's not true, that it's just discussion with the township of Irvine. Have you spoken with them yet or no? So before I answer that, first of all, I, I appreciate your sentiment. Um, I think the, you know, the, the, it's a tale as old as time, you know, big football teams and little football teams, and people don't like what they see when this sort of thing happens to a team. You know, we're and we're USL champions just minding our business, trying to play games in our stadium, trying to build a community. And the next thing you know, we're facing a potential eviction. So, no, we haven't. We haven't had any conversations with the LA Galaxy about this issue. I mean, obviously, Galaxy played in that stadium earlier this year uh, in, the, in the Open Cup against uh, Cal United, who also are tenants in the stadium and also will be thrown out under this proposal that we read about in the, in the council agenda. So, no, we haven't had any direct discussion with the club. We would have loved for them to approach us and say, you know, we're thinking of talking to Irvine City Council about playing in the stadium. I'm, you know, I'm sure it would have been a very fruitful conversation for everyone to have. But the first official communication we had, either from the council or from LA Galaxy, was what we read in a publicly available agenda for the council meeting. I have to say... Um... When when the news broke, I couldn't believe it. I was I was very very in shock, and obviously, you are basically paying rent for a facility that you uh, you have been in good standing with the township. You won the USL Championship title last year at Al Lang Stadium against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and I would thought that's enough clout for the town of Irvine to at least to allow you to stay there for many, many years to come. And how shocking was it that that's not enough? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, you know, obviously in sport you think winning is everything. And, you know, we went down to the council meeting as you would expect the team to be invited to do when they've won a championship. And, you know, we were fated by groups, obviously the council, but also other groups in the chamber of commerce in Irvine, the, British American Business Council's Orange County chapter. You know, we were doing a little trophy tour, taking our championship trophy for everyone 
and everyone talking about how proud they were of what we'd done to put Orange County and Irvine on the map. So, you know, we did our bit on the, on the, on the soccer field. But obviously, you know, there's, I guess there's more to it than that. And so, you know, we are just making sure that our fans, and they turn up in fantastic numbers at that council meeting, to just make the position clear of what we as a, a team mean to the community, what we as a club can do for the community. So obviously, we, you know, there'll be nearly 100,000 people come and watch our games in that stadium this year. But also, we employ... You know, over a season, if you include particularly the, you know, the temporary workers you bring in when you're hosting a, an event of any kind, there'll be hundreds of people earning money around that stadium because of what we're doing. You know, we are an Irvine-based company with an Irvine-based staff. We're employing people here. So it's, it's not just, you know, the, the success on the field. We're also contributing economically. And I think, you know, there's, I guess, a certain irony to this, but part of what was suggested in the in the plans and why they might need to look at other options was, you know, an apparent lack of access for community groups. Now, at our game, um, just three days before the council meeting, a young girl kicked the ball from the halfway line into the goal and won $5,000 for the Ronald McDonald House as part of our community night that we were hosting. You know, that's what clubs do. It's not just about the game. It's about bringing families together. It's about supporting communities. We did a fundraiser for Ukraine um, and a number of Ukrainian Orange County residents and, and new refugees there came to that game. We're doing, a, doing an event um, in September with Mothers Against Drink Driving, the Orange County chapter, supporting families who've suffered as a result of, 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 of what happens there. So I think you know, we are a very much a community club trying to do community things with the community, and we just want a chance to stay in that stadium and keep doing that. I know soccer leagues have to do a job uh, and to defend all the clubs in second division, third division, and the amateur leagues and USL League too, but how proud are you of his leadership of the United Soccer League and all clubs involved? Beerhead, uh, your defense of this situation. Yeah, I mean, the league has been incredibly supportive to us. Uh, we've had a number of phone calls with them, and they are they have been very helpful. Um, and I think, you know, the, the league have been great. The broader fan base of our club have been extraordinary. The fan bases of other clubs. The media have been amazing. Obviously, you know, here I am talking on your show tonight. But over the last week, you know, we were live on ESPN on Football Americas and we did Sirius XM. And I think I've been on three podcasts this weekend. You know, everyone's happy to tell to help tell the story because... On the face of it, people see an injustice here, and they want to support us, and we're grateful for that. And it was absolutely great to uh, talk about this situation because, you know, like I said, I was upset. I was mad to hear this because this is not the right thing to do uh, for a club that has done so much for the community that should not be kicked out of the stadium just because uh, a higher-level club in, uh, in the sport in this country uh, just to use it uh, for their own second team and not let anyone else use it is an absolute disgrace. But I, I really want to ask you about the players. Um, I don't know if you were able to talk to the players or the players were able to talk to you. Did you have a meeting with the players at all or the coaching staff about when the news broke, when this situation happened? Were they nervous? Were they upset, scared? What, what, 
communications did you have with your players on the club? So, you know, what front offices talk to players about across the soccer world is, you know, not always how people would imagine it from the outside. And I think, you know, we're a team who have got a job to do on the field and the players have got plenty to worry about in terms of, you know, we were just about to face Phoenix, our traditional rivals and the runaway winners of the of the division the previous year. So it's very important for players to sort of remain focused. But I think that the key thing is uh, our coach, Richard Chaplow, he asked us to get a copy of the video that was circulating on social media made by one of our videographers at that Tuesday night event, which had our mascot with the fans and the fans massing outside the council meeting and the fans going into the council chamber and clips of different people talking, including extraordinary performance by young Charlotte Eldridge, which I know you've already talked about on this show. And I know that Richard showed that video to the players. And I think that's pretty much the extent of the interaction. We've tried to keep it quite simple, but they know that the takeaway for them is it's not worrying about where we're going to be playing next year and all that sort of stuff. They've got enough to focus on on the field. But I think the key takeaway is what does this club mean to the fans? The people in the stands, what does it mean to them? And when Milan scored his goal, uh, the first goal in the game, we were playing towards the end where our, our fans are, where Ray and the County Line Coalition go. And Milan, as he actually had done the previous game, jumped over the, the field boards and went in and hugged the crowds. And I think, you know, there's a bond between the players. And, you know, I don't know when it started, winning the championship last year and a whole load of our fans flying to Tampa was a part of that. People waiting at the airport when they flew back with a trophy was a part of that. But our players jumping over those field boards and hugging those fans, the loudest fans, the ones with the orange smoke bombs, you know, that's a special, a special bond. And the players were shown a video before the game, and then they went out and played probably their best game of the year and beat Phoenix. So you can draw your own conclusions about what it meant to them. I have to ask you this question, and I'm not going to ask about finances of the club obviously I just want to ask this question because I have said this many many times on my show I have said this to people uh, that would like to listen to me uh, and of course having debates uh, with others involving uh, who are involved in this in the sport here in this country with what has happened now between your club the LA Galaxy uh, the Township Council of Irvine the government of the town, do you feel it is now time, or if you're able to do so, to build your own stadium and to control the revenue and the scheduling of matches that are in your favor? That's a perfectly reasonable question to ask in a situation like this. You know, I think the answer, you can ask any club in the world, you know, if you could build, if, if, if you could build your own stadium, why wouldn't you want to? control your own state and all that entails. But as you know, it's never quite that simple. I mean, you look across American sport, there's teams in our league who play in great stadia that they might share with a baseball team or it's owned by somebody else. Um, there's teams in the highest level who build enormous stadiums where they ask for large handouts from, from states and cities in order to get that. So none of this is straightforward. But, you know, for now, we're not thinking about building a new stadium somewhere else. We're thinking about how can we persuade City of Irvine Council to give our fans what they want, which is the continued opportunity to play 
where they're playing in Championship Soccer Stadium. Um, you know, I'm a fan of AFC Wimbledon in England, and some people in America might know the story of how they were the club was moved and they lost their stadium and they had the ground share with Crystal Palace when they were in the old Premier League at the beginning of the Premier League, and then they the club started anew and played in various shared grounds for years, and only recently built their own stadium and moved into that stadium, and now the club is in a very different position as a result. But that was a long process. These things take time. And for now, we're not thinking about new stadia. We're thinking about how do we just make sure that the City of Irvine Council know what we want. And that's making sure our fans tell them that we want to stay in Championship Soccer Stadium. From the time you've been in the United States, how excited are you to see the popularity of this world game really take a foothold, not just in Orange County, for what we have seen uh, now with, obviously, LAFC, the Galaxy, your club, other clubs in California, like in San Diego, uh, in NPSL, USL League Two, NISA, and even the entire country. What makes you proud to see that this great sport has taken a foothold for finally for such a long period of time? Yeah, look, that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, my two early memories of U.S. soccer were, one, when you hosted the World Cup in the 90s, and that slightly ridiculous situation of the opening ceremony where Diana Ross missed the penalty and the goal collapsed, um, and everyone sort of jokes about that. English people still joke about We didn't qualify for that World Cup, but we still joke about the sort of nonsense of the Americans hosting a, a tournament they didn't really understand. And then uh, I was a sports journalist in my first career, and I was working in Bermuda, and uh, New England Revolution signed a Bermudian player, and I went over to cover one of their games, and it was played on an American football pitch. And, you know, I remember he was a winger, and he was Carno Smith, and he was running down the left wing, and I could work out exactly how far he had run, because I could see on the hash markings on the American football pitch. And that was my view of American soccer. And obviously you remember the ridiculous hockey-style penalties they took in the early days of MLS. And then you, you wind forward, and I moved to America uh, in 2000 and, where are we? 2014, and I went to Galaxy, ironically now, but I went to Galaxy a lot. I, I took my son to his first football match there. Um, when I was working for the British government as a diplomat, I was hosting events there to celebrate Stephen Gerrard's signing. I went to a lot of games there, and you know the game has grown enormously. I was at Galaxy's ground the other day watching the American women's team play and heavily beat New Zealand. Um, people love soccer here. I've been to a few LAFC games, and obviously the Dortmund-inspired atmosphere that they have there is incredible. The sport is in a completely different place now. And I think, you know, it's very, you know, English people have been quite snobby about the game here. But now I'm working in the game and I'm, you know, living and breathing the game here. It's wonderful to see how much it's grown. And I don't think this World Cup is, I think America aren't quite ready to really challenge in this World Cup. And obviously I don't think they'll get out of England's group. Um, but the next World Cup, I think America could be very legitimate challenges. And when the World Cup is played here, I think it really will, you know, it will just show the difference from when it was played here in the 90s. And I think the growth of the game is amazing. And I guess in a funny way, in a final point, it's you look at the support that we have had around what's happened to us over the past week or so, and that's a sign of a, a grown-up and knowledgeable soccer culture because 
the American sports where there's only really the top division in NFL and NBA and in, and in baseball. People don't really think of the levels below. Um, but the fact that the soccer community understands that there is a level below the MLS and there is a team that needs helping and protecting and supporting, now that's a sign of a mature market. And we're grateful that this growth has happened and that people care about soccer here beyond just MLS. They absolutely do. Trust me. Everyone, doesn't matter what league it's in, whether it's MLS, USL Championship, League One, or USL League Two, NISA, or even NPSL, or even UPSL, everyone is involved. <laughs> Excuse me. Everyone's involved and everyone loves the sport, and we all want to see our national team finally win that little golden trophy one summer, unfortunately, this winter. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Dan, I, I really appreciate your time on the show. Thank you so much for coming on to discuss this uh, this topic. And, uh, you know, you have our support uh, to make sure this will never happen again, and hopefully it will not. And good luck with the rest of the season and USL Championship, and good luck in the future. Daniel, thanks very much for your, your time today and your support over the last few days. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right, that is Dan Rutstein, the president of Orange County SC and USL Championship League, as the threat at the moment has been quelled uh, by both the, town, the government township of Irvine and the LA Galaxy, that they will not be uh, pushing themselves in to remove Orange County SC and Cal United Strikers out of that the stadium, but once again, we don't know what will happen down the road if there'll be round two. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there, but once again, it's a situation where it's not good and it's not healthy. And I really do hope that the township of Irvine will not find a way along with the galaxy, will not find a way to throw out basically done nothing wrong just using the facility. And let me just say this right now, an open invitation to the Los Angeles Galaxy of Major League Soccer, an open invitation to anyone in the front office, whether it be general manager, sporting director, even ownership of Mr. Anschutz himself, would like to come on this program, to come on this show, and give their two cents about the uh, usage of Champion Soccer Stadium in Irvine, California, that it's not true, that it was only preliminary talks. If you wish to talk about it, you can come on this show. I'm not hard to find. I'm not hard to be approached. You can come on this show and you can inform me why or why not you are thinking about taking over champions or championship soccer stadium in Irvine, California with the township. I will even entertain a member of the township council of Irvine, California to come on this show to have their voices heard why this should or was never going to happen or it will happen. 
I will entertain any other voice involving this issue to come on this program. Why? Because the people who support not only Orange County SD, but Orange County soccer as a whole wants to know what the heck has happened and why is it going on like this. Everyone has a right to know. They want to be informed. And I think it's only fitting, only fitting, that they come on the show and give us their opinions. All opinions matter. All opinions are allowed. There is no denying for freedom of speech here when it comes to the game in this country. Whether we talk here domestically or abroad, football, football, soccer, it's all the same. I want to talk about it. I want to discuss it. So any of the other two parties that wish to talk about it, you have an open invitation. My Twitter handle is capital letter D, capital letter F as in Frank, E-U-E-R-S as in Sam, T-E-I-N on Twitter. Contact me there. Or come to blogtalkradio.com forward slash for your scenes fire, no apostrophe in the S. And if you wish to send me an email there, you can do so through that as well. Or a comment. And I will make the necessary uh, appointment for you to come on this show to give your thoughts and your opinions. That's all I'm asking. All I'm saying, it's time for you to step up to the plate, get to the microphone, and just talk to us about why. Why did this happen? You will be treated fairly and honestly. Tough questions. But this will be a fair and honest debate. I give you my word on that. Before we get to the Red Bulls, I want to get to a moment where I am upset again to the fans who are failing at the fandom on the U.S. men's national team. And that is aimed there... Their ill will is now aimed at LAFC television broadcaster, former Fox Soccer Channel broadcaster, former ESPN soccer broadcaster, Max Bredos. All because he reported that a rumor or a story on John Brooks supposedly signing with a club in Saudi Arabia was false, that he learned was false. Everyone going after him under the sun, calling him names, calling him ruthless things. He is just doing his job. 
once again, all he is doing is his job, not just covering and calling games for Los Angeles Football Club and Major League Soccer, but having one ear on the ground on American players playing domestically and the other ear on the ground playing abroad. There is no conspiracy theory against John Brooks. There is no hoping or rooting for John Brooks to lose or to be defeated here. If he is not able to latch on to a club and play on this World Cup team, depending if he does get picked or not, by Greg Berhalter, what are you going to do if a club is not, does not want to meet his wage demands? What will you do if John Brooks doesn't want by a club? Or what if the club, any club, does not want to give him a contract unless he lowers his wage demands? And to call Max Bredos, every single name in the book is downright disgusting. He is only doing his job. I know he doesn't need any defending. I know he doesn't need any type of help on this department. He's used to it. It's Twitter. I know. But it's disgusting to see how low the U.S. men's national team fan base has gotten. It's made me angry and upset because you don't know what you're talking about. You think you know more than the experts do. Are you just new here? Do you not know what it took Americans to finally get an opportunity to play in Europe? I mean, Thomas Dooley, who was actually born German, but because his father was an American serviceman, he was allowed to be on the men's national team here in the United States. Claudio Reyna, John O'Brien, born in the U.S., never had MLS. They, went, they were scouted by clubs in Europe and were able to play. Just like Matthew Hoppe was, Christian Pulisic was, and many other American players that probably did not go into either college soccer, MLS academies, USL, or playing a single minute in MLS. You need to understand the reasons and the history of the American player. Lashing out will not help your case and will not help your end of things. You are seen as fools. Idiots. You need to stop acting like a bunch of jerks. If you're not familiar with something, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask, hey, listen, have you heard of this? Well, I think I have, and I'll tell you why. It's okay to ask questions. Don't act like you think you know what you're you're talking about when you have no idea. Either learn the proper way 
But don't say anything at all. And don't look like a fool. And maybe you'll get more respect from the mature soccer fan crowd. But once again, you're going to keep on going like this. You're going to bring all of us down. And that is the shame that you are putting on all of us. The shame of it. And I'm sick and tired of it. As we continue on now, going to the domestic end of the show, the New York Red Bulls and the Red Bull segment now. Hosted Orlando City. Lost at Red Bull Arena by final of a goal to nil. While one goal was the only thing that beat the Red Bulls on Saturday evening, the offense just did not seem to click. Defense had that one little hiccup. As Kyle Duncan first match back on his loan deal till the end of the MLS season, overplays the ball. Backline got caught. Sean Nealis got beaten. Carlos Coronel got his gloves on the ball, but not enough as it hit the inside of the near post and went into the back of the net and over the line. What we have watched so far, and I understand the frustration right now from Red Bull supporters because not only losing to that same club in the Open Cup semifinal in Orlando at Explorer Stadium, but the 5-4 home loss to Colorado Rapids, the scoreless draw did not quell the backlash at D.C. United. The blame at Gerhard Struber. And now the blame at the front office and Red Bull Global. And even though finally director of sport for the New York Red Bulls and Joachim Schneider will talk to him so long to finally talk to the media and why this particular window, in all honesty, was a failure. And even though it looks like we're going to look at the upcoming winter window, truth of the matter is the Red Bulls need some help. Not to get a veteran player of any kind or at least a consistent goal scorer to be up top either along with Patrick Lamala or maybe to replace him. It's just has not been a fruitful second half of the season. While having Lewis Morgan and Lukinias has been a very solid signing, the truth of the matter is that you cannot rely on attacking midfielders when the striker department is lacking in goals. And even though Serge Nagoma was looking strong and solid to score two goals, especially that fantastic goal against Austin FC, before the loss at Orlando in the Open Cup semis. Sadly, injury got him with the pulled hamstring, and hopefully he can come back whenever he can to go out there and do some damage. 
the summer window is gone. It's closed. No more transfers unless they're on a free. Loan deals galore now. And I think it's time for Red Bull Global to understand we're not at, the fans are not asking you to step away from bringing up or calling up players from within the academy in the system of Red Bulls, whether it's the under-23 club in USL League 2 or now Red Bulls 2 finishing up USL Championship going into MLS Pro next for 2023. They're not asking you to stop that. They're asking you to give them veteran help. And whether it's pie-in-the-sky designated players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Alexis Sanchez, maybe even Lionel Messi, which I don't think will ever happen. And while other clubs are getting high-profile players like Christian Bale, Giorgio Chiellini, like, like LA Galaxy has, I mean, LAFC has, Javier Hernandez, Chicharito for the LA Galaxy. Now DC United has brought over Christian Benteke. Now we're seeing big-time players that have played in Europe, whether they are Europeans or South American, coming, coming to the States to be in Major League Soccer. You can still find a way, if, they, if you want, to contact Ginoc, who has been tearing it up in Tigris in Mexico, maybe to come over and play for the Red Bulls here in MLS. But every other club in MLS is making moves, not just for now, but for the future. And while there has been positives this season, the negatives are creeping in. The negatives are starting to show. And if we cannot stop the negatives, if you cannot stop the negatives, this could be the year you're not going to make the playoffs. This could be the year. Not only will you lose a home playoff game, you may lose a position in the playoffs, period. It's time to go out in the winter transfer window to bring some firepower here to the Red Bulls. And I understand why Gerhard Struber had to say what he had to say, that he said his players were not ready to make a big run, which I believe is false. I think they were ready to make a run. But I think Gerhard Struber, sadly, decided not to move forward. Or, or, and I'm only, it's only speculation, it's only speculation, front office or head of Red Bull Global said, we're not worried about titles for this club at this point in time. So right now the answer is no. And Gerhard Struber had to backpedal to say what he had to say, to be the mouthpiece of the club and of Red Bull Global. But we don't know. We don't know. All we know is 
they got destroyed in the second half. Four goal destruction in the second half to lose that one five goals to one. All I can say is it has to be fixed. And they need to be active in all transfer windows whenever they come up. They have to be active in all transfer windows. Because these loan deals are just not worth it. They're not. While it's nice to have Kyle Duncan back, because Tom Edwards right now looks like he's going back to Stoke, there needs to be some form of fixing of an issue at left fullback. And it has to be done, and it's got to be done quickly, or it's got to be done for next season. We'll have to see what's going to happen there. But once again, not a good match for the New York Red Bulls against Orlando City at home. From start to finish, it was terrible. And if only Orlando could have put the ball in the back of their own net, that's the only way they were going to win that match. But it didn't happen. Because Orlando saved themselves from a mistake like that ever happening. So I have to wait and see what's going to happen now. As they go on the road this Wednesday night to face Atlanta United at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then this coming Saturday at 6 o'clock Eastern Time, hosting FC Cincinnati at Red Bull Arena. Both matches will be on Madison Square Garden Network. I want to thank my guests tonight, Ray Samar from the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and the president of Orange County SC, Dan Rootstein, for joining me tonight. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you for joining me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.